Tim Joyce. Oh. Hey, hey, hey. Wednesday. Wednesday, babe. I, I'm calling from sun, the Sunshine State. I was going to ask, where, where are you at? We, uh, we couldn't catch up this Monday to meticulously yep, unproduce in- this. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, Lake Nono, the medical city, or, you know, outside of Orlando. You know, the, I'm in the Guidewell Innovation Center um, nice. out of here. So we're just trying to get Health Beacon exposed to some, uh, some of the Florida's lovely healthcare system here. <laughs> Amazing. And uh, I'm sure Emmy misses you, but uh, the, you know, now, now that the floodgates of travel are pretty much open, it's, uh, you know, it's back. It's back. I'm looking forward to going back home as well, you know, in, in little, like in, in a little vacation plans. So we have to work out what our vacation schedules are for the summer anyway, whether the shot fades into that. Man, I, honestly, that's my, my biggest challenge as far as this, right? It's like, because, you know, when we started this, as many of our listeners, you know, viewers, it, it was to save ourselves and hopefully right. others. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so the anyway. news, before, so we get yeah. some great guests coming on. The news in the market is that digital health deals still, still, still keep coming at us. Still happening. Still happening. Va- um, va- valuations on companies are... I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing there's definitely a reset. Um, still trying to understand kind of where. So definitely seems to be that, you know, BCs are getting squeezed quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. A's, some early conversations that I'm having are, they are resetting, but let's see. I, it's, yeah. <laughs> you know, some it's of okay. those expectations were just unrealistic in my opinion, right? So, right, right, right. But anyway, um, speaking of awesome, awesome companies, um, and this is, we haven't had, we had, I think now <laughs> three quote unquote um, duos, right? It's you and right. Emmy, me and Marina, <laughs> uh, Jessica DeMassa and Matthew Holt. And now we got Eddie Martucci <laughs> and Carl. <laughs> That's awesome. So, hey, gents. Welcome. I, have you guys, I guess, just virtually met? I've, I've never met Jim. Okay. Yeah, no, we, we haven't met. We, we, I saw you in Boston at the Health Excel event, Eddie, right? That's right. That's right. When that's we right. sat down for that fireside chat, that was, that was good. Impromptu. Yep. A bit. But, uh, but your, well, your, your reputations, your reputations precede you. So we feel like we know you, you live your life in a social sphere. <laughs> <laughs> For so, better or worse. A, a little bit, maybe just a quick, quick, quick background. Um, this was also in Boston, obviously, right? Um, I met Carl at dinner and I thought they're just two amazing, awesome people that are seem to be alike, but also very different. Like it was just like the intensity is there from both of you, but there's different things. So we kind of started masterminding a little bit. I know we're meticulously unproduced. Jim, I'm sorry to ruin this for you, but we started masterminding a little bit of what's gonna happen here. So uh, welcome to the shot. We're gonna have some fun. And um, one thing that I wanted to say though, I'm sure Eddie, you're getting bombarded with questions about the SPAC today. That's not what it's about. We want to get to know the two of you and just have fun. So with that, maybe each of you would love some backgrounds where you come from. Awesome. And, and geez, I was really hoping to dive into the SPAC news and, I, and everything I, related, <laughs> but, but um, you know, I'll, I'll take your lead and we can stay away from that for SPAC, now. SPAC free, SPAC free. <laughs> it was COVID free uh, zone. Now it's SPAC free zone. There you go. Um, Awesome. No, that's that's actually going well as well. But good. We'll we'll talk about us. Carl, do you want to you want to go? Um, yeah, sure. Um, so um, I I came to Achilles through a career in enterprise and consumer tech. Um, much of it in the Bay Area in early stage and growth startups. Um, often with um, missions that were kind of focused on making the world a better place, not just on like securing more ad revenue and stuff like that. Um, and actually, um, the first startup I joined when I came to San Francisco in 2000 was the CEO was John Snally, who's um, a partner at Jazz, a member of our board, and he's the one who introduced me to Eddie and to Achille about um, just under five years ago. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, Carl runs engineering and a while product and, and a lot of other things. He's part key part of the uh, executive management team at Achille. Um, and me, I'm Eddie. Um, I'm the co-founder of Achille. 
Uh, my background, very different other ends of the spectrum, if there is such a spectrum, um, where I, I studied biochemistry, pharmacology, drug development, um, and then kind of finished up a doctoral work, but went right into entrepreneurship. And so um, started a number of companies with, um, with Pure Tech Health here in Boston, but all focused on innovative treatment modalities. So basically how to, how to expand the minds of what medicine means. Um, and then uh, I started up Achille, obviously, and have been growing that for the last decade. So 10 years. Yeah, it's a 10, 10 year mark. There's, it's a <laughs> long we're going to have our, our bar mitzvah soon. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that should be a thing. That should be a thing. Is like, oh, yeah, uh, that's a good di- idea. Digital, digital health bar mitzvahs. That's, we're having a retreat in September. <laughs> I, I always thought, I grew up in a town, the town I grew up in, I'm, I, I'm in, I'm out of Dublin, but I'm in Orlando at the moment, but the town I grew up in, we had a good mixture. Like I went to lots of bar mitzvahs and lots of, you know, uh, so we had the Catholic church with two synagogues and two Catholic churches in town and the bar mitzvahs were by best, they were the best parties. (laughs) The beauty of this is that these companies can celebrate. Actually, we can do both bar and bat mitzvahs, right? Because one (laughs) is 12 and 13. So every year you can have now a party. Anyway, that's that's awesome. Um, so before maybe we jump in, first of all, for, I think most of the viewers, um, and listeners to this will know Akili, but I would love you guys to describe a little bit, what's your mission. And then with that, would love to kind of dive in to the public announcement of Roblox partnership. I was honestly, I was like, whoa, that's cool. Uh, but, but there's more than cool behind this. Right. So. Sure. Uh, I'll, I'll take over to start and then Carl, um, I'd love your your separate description. Maybe it's separate. Sure. Oh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. We put us both on the spot here to give the elevator pitch. Um, so Achille, as, as many folks probably know, is one of the early digital medicine, digital therapeutic companies, um, meaning uh, we had this kind of bold mission, like, like we're joking about over a decade ago, to make software not just um, help medicine or not just be part of medicine, but actually make software that is the medicine. Um, and we, in the digital therapeutic space, um, we went even farther. I think we're generally recognized as, as going farther in two big ways. Um, the first is, whereas a lot of folks are, are really growing companies based on things like behavioral therapy and disease management techniques, um, we're looking to bring software that actually directly uh, is mechanistic based, like you'd think about like a drug. So directly targets key physiology, in our case, in the brain, um, and, and therefore has a kind of robust and reproducible effect, but from a really targeted um, physiological perspective, as opposed to teaching you strategies to deal with the disease. Um, And then the second big, uh, big difference, as most folks know, and what we're covered about most is we wanted to not just make digital products that are engaging, we want to really make uh, digital products that look and feel and act like your entertainment. So the highest quality level digital experiences you can. And so we today code all of our uh, treatments uh, and and some of our monitors and diagnostic products, all as um, high end action video game uh, delivery vehicles. And so our our first product, um, which is being prescribed today, uh, is the first and only FDA approved uh, treatment um, that's delivered through a video game. It's for treating attention function in children with ADHD. Um, and then we have a rich pipeline of products across uh, different cognitive uh, cognitive areas, meaning cognitive functioning that hasn't been addressed in medicine, but we think we can. Awesome. Awesome. So do we switch? To yeah, I would add that. To give, that wasn't 30 seconds, by yeah. the way. Eddie. <laughs> Are we on timers? Who said 30? Who said 30? I, I should have been like, ding, 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 ding. He demands, he demands his own time. He demands his own time. Playing out, Eddie. Get the music going. Um, I was going to, I was going to add to it. Like one of the things I think is really interesting about being a direct therapy that has a mechanism is that it actually creates this closed loop. And so it's not just that we're kind of delivering um, a system and hoping it works. We actually have this interaction with the patient and that interaction is linked to the way it helps them. And that opens up like a really interesting um, surface of data that helps us improve the product, helps us develop new products in the future, uh, understand our therapies differently than anything that's come before. Mm. Before we jump into the, the point Roblox. here, like yeah. it, I, just before we jump into that, just, just want, when you think about that, when you came up with that big mission, and I always feel like when you, like there's some kind of fundamental truth of like, like what's 
what do you think what surprised you that moves the needle for these kids when they're in the video game is it, it was it obvious or is there some kind of truth that kind of permeates it i think it was first principles science that's that's where we started is like what would be the level of science that's both groundbreaking but also has like has depth <laughs> meaning research background and years of study that we'd have high confidence it would work and then actually looking in clinical trials and we had to design clinical trials that were kind of drug style in their robustness, but for the first time using a product that looks like entertainment, no one had done that before. Um, and so that was like the inspiration at the beginning was this depth of science, but then the proof point was actually investing and in running these like highly legitimate clinical trials, which are now becoming the norm. But at right. the time it was a big deal to see clinical evidence that was, you know, at the level you'd expect from your other medicines. Awesome. So Roblox, you went back. Roblox, Roblox. <laughs> well, Roblox, I'll give the high level and then I'll, I'll yeah. let Carl describe a bit about sort of he, he's been taking a leadership role really and what this means and how we can how we can work it. Um, the Roblox uh, deal is fascinating. Um, we at, at a macro level, um, one of the things that we get most excited about at Achille is to help people reimagine what medicine feels like. And one way to think about that is in our, the medicine we make, meaning the pieces of software we make that doctors are prescribing patients are using. We do all of that in-house with a little bit of external testing and, and content, but mostly in-house. Um, that's our products. But if you actually go one big layer of the onion beyond or layer of the universe beyond maybe is better, um, the, to really have something that looks and feels and operates differently, what if your medicine could actually integrate into your daily life? And so at a philosophical level, what I was excited about for years was in the future, if we have this type of medicine, can we actually integrate it into, for instance, your entertainment platforms? And so in our demographic, eight to 12 year olds with ADHD, Roblox is the dominant gaming platform in that space. I think three quarters of kids that age in the US are actually weekly active users, which is insane. Um, and we, for the first time, I think ever, uh, just announced that uh, we're integrating a medicine, in this case, Endeavor RX, our product for HD, directly integrating that with the Roblox universe. So first time a medicine has been integrated with an entertainment platform. Wow. Um, and wow. I don't know, Carl, if you want to go through what that actually means. Yeah, it's it's starting off where we're able to use like assets that we've generated. So like um, pets that you can use in the Roblox world or like little helmets and other add-ons. We were able to use them as as like a form of a reward that the parent can give to their child who's in treatment at different stages of the therapy. And what we're testing is, um, you know, how does this sort of a reward loop from our game to the parent, to the patient, to Roblox, like how does that impact like their, their focus on the game, their ability to kind of engage through the regimen of therapy, um, their satisfaction with the game, things like that. And so that's the first step. But what it really opens up is this like blending of these worlds. And, you know, if, if you have a patient who's using Endeavor, right now only patients use Endeavor, right? So if you're in the Endeavor world, it kind of signifies that you're your patient, you're being treated for ADHD with inattention. Um, once we start blending these worlds, it kind of also affects the stigma and then also gives us better tools to help with engagement. And Eddie pointed out, like we have this broader vision of really being able to fit into people's lives in where they are in the digital media that they're using. And this is definitely like a really interesting first step in that direction. So I hope our viewers and listeners just like recognize how Carl is happy as a clam going through it, <laughs> right? Um, to use a, a, a meta metaphor, but I also want to do a little bit of a plug because um, I had Eddie on the DTX season one podcast. So the viewers and listeners here can go listen to a little bit of the story. And that's part of the reason why we're saving the actual Achille discussion for another time, because Eddie is going to be back on DTX season two. We need to schedule it and maybe he'll bring Carl along because I, you know, we, we, we can decide. I mean, could, or, could, maybe, or maybe you just bring Carl by the end of this episode. You might yeah. Yeah, you know, we, may, we yeah. may make that executive decision. Right. And, and it could it could this could it screen for people that have ADHD? Is that part of the vision of it? Um, we're definitely looking at like what else can we do on the Roblox platform? Can we use it as a place where we kind of prototype experiences? Um, like 
in our therapy, um, you know, there's the entertainment piece and then there's the, the treatment piece and they, they blend together seamlessly in Endeavor. Um, but if we can understand how to improve engagement separate from SSME, the Selective Stimulus Management Engine that's in Endeavor, um, that helps us. And so that's, that's a thing we're definitely looking at. Um, we do have research on monitoring products. So using SSME and Endeavor and related products to kind of make assessments. And that's part of what we could evaluate there as well. But that's that's further out. You know, what, what fascinates me about just this last, whatever, five minutes discussion just on this alone is, you know, I spent some time in a life sciences company and there's so many brilliant, brilliant scientists and people, right? Just brilliance exudes. But I think what you guys have been able to do is truly bring the world of biology and technology together in this, which takes very different type of individuals and very different type of a team to actually drive. I mean, I can keep going, but I'll shut up because I want you guys to respond to this. Well, that's like, um, it's it's a little bit evocative of like the Musk quote about like you're, you put all the innovation into the factory, not necessarily into the product. Like Achilles, right. the company is that factory of the digital therapeutics. And a lot of what Eddie and I have put our energies into is like how that company works, the behaviors, the functions, the way right. we interact, different than what you might find in any other place. Can, can you talk about the, um, and I, I don't want to contradict, but the ethical challenge of, you know, I think of like that we saw a presentation um, around, you know, putting diabetes medications into pizza, you know, um, you know, so, you know, this idea that you could have, you know, food as medicine. So, but then you have, you know, the pizza causing the diabetes, and then now we're putting it together. And, you know, it's like one side of the aisle is causing diabetes, the other side is treating it. Like, how do you deal, or, or is that a thing where people feel like video games are a challenge you know, um, and, you know, how do you manage that a little bit? Like, so you're kind of, you're, you're kind of meeting them where they're at. I, I, I'm, you know. Gosh, uh, maybe I love analogies uh, or metaphors. So I'm glad that you, you threw up a pizza one. Um, Cause also, as it turns out, we could do it on yeah. pizza. Carl yeah. and I could. Table pizza. We, we, had a, do we had a pizza for the table yesterday with a small group here. At there, you go. <laughs> there you go. But don't spoil a table pizza. That's like my innovation. Confidential. Um, yeah. So the um, so I think the really the really interesting piece here is uh, that metaphor of like you know or it's an example of like put diabetes medication in a pizza. That's a great example of what happens historically. And when people try to mash healthcare and tech, they're like, let's shove two things together and yeah. let's like hope they work. The I would actually say if you take that metaphor and change it up a little bit, it's like what if we could optimize the ingredients in the pizza? to just be fundamentally 10 times healthier and actually naturally treat diabetes. That's kind of what we're doing with video games. So it's not awesome. saying, it's not saying take something bad and shove something good in it. Yep. We're actually saying there's a lot of, there's good. a lot of the same way people like pizza, people love to play video games. It actually in, inspires behavior and motivation and enthusiasm. So right. let's take that shell, but from the inside out, let's divine it, design it with algorithms and from first principles that actually is for good. So we leverage the good. We're very aware of the ethical challenges and, and especially in our demographic parents aware of issues with video games. And we try to protect against that. We shut off the product. Um, we don't allow unlimited play, things like that. Um, hmm. But I, I think that's a more apt metaphor. And frankly, um, what I think needs to happen a little bit more in medicine is like, let's design things better as opposed to like try to shove things together. A lot of what you yeah. see, in, you, guys, you guys know this better than I do, in patient you know, engagement and digital health, a lot of times stuff's just shoved together, but there, there's better ways if you, to Carl's point, if you design the factory from day one in a certain way. It's, so is that how, when you think about your guys' relationship here, you know, as, um, is that how, is that, is, are, you know, who's the pizza, who's the, the, the treatment for diabetes, <laughs> like, or, or is it like, you know, the entertaining, you know, incredibly motivating video game plus the medicine, like who's the medicine, who's the video game? And you really want to break down those those barriers, those boundaries. Like you, like the goal is to not identify as one or the other, but to have <laughs> like the strength of one um, be kind of leveraged, be taught in. Like I've got this. If you think about like the quintessential characteristics of the various disciplines we've brought together, you could imagine 
like um, science and medical bringing like the method, the scientific method hypothesis and experimentation to Achilles. And you could imagine the video game side and art and design bringing critique and creativity and, and, and engineering bringing uh, problem solving and understanding things. And it's like, if you actually get those things to not just be um, like components that are available to one another, but actually be like cross-trained and, and um, melded, then that's when you really want, and then you've created the thing that can build the right product. So that, that's really how we think of it. We, we, I try to get like the medical team working within our studio, our video game studio. The goal is to not just have them ask a question, oh, is this okay for screen, um, for like um, screen addiction? It's to like help them arm the designers and the engineers and the artists with a better understanding of that topic. So that while they're doing all of the complex work to build the game, they've incorporated it. And then it's, it's we built something that's better. And I'm gonna grab onto that sentence again, right? Like we kind of touched on team and, and the, uh, I, I don't wanna say opposing, just very different skills. And in one sentence, Carl, you said medical and video studio, right? And you know, that video studio is treating something, right? So I think again, right? You know, think of, I'm just thinking logically about the very different individuals, team building around it, right? Because as you guys are going to commercialization, market access typically is coming from pharma, which is again, those mindsets. And again, they're not wrong. They're not, they're, it's just different, right? So I, I really like, I want to get into how you guys building the team, how you two interacting, because you come from those two worlds as well. Yeah, I think it helps that at the at the highest level of the business, at the executive leadership, we don't have any two people that are from the exact same industry. And so Carl and I come from these very different industries. And then we have people from, you know, biopharma, from other areas of software, from medical device, from, you know, healthcare IT. So I think that's that's first and foremost. And then we have to work on it. Like Carl and I for years now probably on a weekly basis, we'll talk about, all right, where are things not gelling? Where are things not meshing? That probably starts with these barriers. Carl talked about breaking down barriers. Um, those barriers come in two forms, I've noticed in teams. Like some are barriers that are put, put up with bad intent. I think that's a recruiting thing. You bring in people, like Carl said, no matter what industry you come for, if you want to change the world in a positive way, most of that bad intent barriers are not there. But then you have these implicit barriers you don't even realize till later. So like, you know, I use the word product. Carl uses the word product. We act strange enough. Like we meant that in very different ways until very, very recently after <laughs> Carl's education for me and my discussion with Carl of how I view the word. And there's like dozens and dozens of words like that, um, that, that I think we continue to unravel, even when you think you're saying the same thing and words is just the beginning. You guys right. should publish the list of those terms that you're negotiating constantly live, right? Like right. once a day or whenever it happens, because I think we can also all learn, right? Like we also, your coach, we having these discussions around individuals and, you know, our hiring methodologies, yes, yes, no, no, maybe is a no, right? Because we just need to keep moving quick and especially at these stages of the company, right? And I know you guys are much larger at this point, but. I think it's, I think the, the analogy, stay with the analogy is, you know, if you're in Ireland and you, you ask someone if they're, if they're having good crack, you know, it doesn't mean what it means in New York. So I think that's kind of the, just learned the product. That from because she's Kandana is doctor no crack. I love that. Or a, a park and ride means something completely different in Ireland as it does in New Jersey. Uh, a lot saltier than I expected. <laughs> So, so, go ahead. I, so many, so many, you know, we can go deeper into so many of, uh, of, of these aspects, right? But maybe I'm just kind of curious as a leadership team. I mean, so you two are having a lot of the discussion. It's the definition of the terms. It's, um, you know, uh, it's interesting. We're just going through the interview process uh, that, that your coach for, for, uh, for potential hire. And um, we realized that we all said the same exact thing thing right like and I know it sounds so simple right but we were like comparing notes and that to me is I think starts with leadership and being in sync and have the same terminology and then again right bringing all these people together to keep going maybe a couple of other lessons learned well I think I think we say the same thing in terms of our mission our vision but where I think even Achilles has been around for a while and 100 yeah. employees and we put a lot of intent on it we still will realize like what we mean by it, but even more so, and maybe this is where I'll turn it over to Carl, maybe even more so like how we think, 
right? The, the patterns and processes you think in are even conditioned by the industry you come from. So whether you think in large plans versus iterative plans, when, when you say, let's have a plan or a process for this, you mean, you mean something fundamentally different. So it's deeper than words. And, and even, you know, even, I don't know, Carl, if you have thoughts, I'm stammering as I think about like the yeah, philosophy I was, I was thinking, Yeah, I was thinking about like one of the things, like this habit that I developed in startups that, um, that um, the first time I did it in front of Eddie here, I remember it caught him, it looked like I had said something that might've caught him a little off guard, which is like, and I think it's relevant to this stage. Um, when you're early, you're trying to figure things out. You're not just trying to take something that's working and make it better. But I invite new employees when they encounter something that seems wrong, like assume it's there by accident instead of like the opposite of like assume it's there with like very careful intent. And it, it's that. like, it's an invitation to change things. And it, that I think helps a lot, especially with this like, like extreme mixture of domains where there's maybe a little bit more tentativeness, like, oh, I'm afraid to challenge the quality management system because like, I'm not a quality management system expert. So I'm just going to like, go with it. Um, the first time I said it in front of Eddie, it was to a different employee. It was just happening in the room. And I remember like seeing out the corner of my eyes, like, oh, like maybe that was career limiting when I just did that. But, um, <laughs> but like, that's so we, funny. We that's so funny because I don't remember that. But in like trying to trying to think backwards, I was maybe like wowed because I was so happy. Right. <laughs> because like a lot of what happens is Right. You know, this word that comes down from on high or some process that it's like, we can't violate. Like we talk a right. lot about, you know, sacred cows and things like that. Like what's sacred and almost nothing is unless, unless you're a really autocratic top down business, like in, when you're creating, there's right. actually, I, I would argue nothing should be sacred because you have to break down these things. So um, I don't remember that, but I love that. But yes, we do talk about it now. Um, yeah, we talk would- about that a lot. Like this is one of those things that uh, people assume it's supposed to be this way, but like, let's challenge it. So one, one of the things that Carl and I will um, actually, I was going to say joke, but it's not joke. We strategize about is like, all right, what do we want to highlight to the business? That's a good thing that was challenged. And mm-hmm. then, you know, make that, um, you know, to use Carl, Carl turned me on to Cialdini and some of the early concepts like social proof. Like, how do we make that social proof? Let's highlight the things that um, are challenged. Let's highlight someone breaking down a barrier and that can be as or more powerful than like, you know, dictating something to the company. What, like, like, like an example, what would be an example? Like someone says, you know, it comes up with a new feature, an idea, or, and then everyone thought it was a sacred, you know, don't touch that because Eddie likes it, <laughs> you know, and, and, it, and, it, and it gets changed. <laughs> It's what, what's a good example? Were you thinking about like um, the COVID release maybe even, or? Yeah, that's um, a good one. That's a good one. So yeah. So like biotech pharmaceutical releases, these are, these are launches. They're, these are big things I've learned and there, and you, you have extensive plans often created by consultants and um, we found ourselves, um, you know, in what was 20, um, 2020. Right. And we, there was the FDA gave the um, emergency use authorization for digital therapeutics, therapeutics like ours that had not been cleared yet, which are satisfied. And in the matter of like a day or two, we managed to decide to release Endeavor um, within a week. Like that was that was our goal. Just even getting to that moment was was a little bit challenging, and as you could imagine, was like unexpected for a lot of the folks who were working on a very extensive plan, but we kind of broke it down to what we really need to do. And, and we, and we got it done. And it was in a way that like the team had not really worked before. And I think you can like, I mean, you know, confirmation bias too, like something has lots to teach us, but if you, you can kind of go from that moment and see a different pattern of, 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 approaching the orthodox or problem solving where people are a little bit more willing because it was celebrated um, internally as, as a success. And we got our first patients on our treatment um, very quickly. Um, awesome. Yeah. It was I celebrated, have- celebrated, but not popular to be clear. Like these not things, these, yeah. these growth moments or these change moments necessarily will ruffle some people or, or, you know, when you're challenging common wisdom, you're challenging the wisdom of some people. So, right. um, so I know for sure that's a great example because I think what was, cha- what was assumed was in order to put a product out, we need to have like this. months and months yep. and months of planning. And that would be one of those sacred things that shouldn't be touched. 
but we sat in a meeting with as an executive team and i remember saying we got to launch this next tuesday and it turned <laughs> out we were the first literally that's how it happened and i'm really proud to this day because we were the first company um, in with this emergency use authorization for digital treatments and psychiatry to put a product out we got tons of patient experience we helped a lot of people we put it out for free um, so we, we actually waived cost. We helped a ton of people. We got tons of feedback. And I really, like, I looked to leadership like Carl um, and specifically Carl in that moment who I knew was really supportive of this is a good moment to challenge what might be accepted. And I, I wouldn't even realize that people are assuming that there's this untouchable kind of planning. Right. Um, and I think Carl's right from that moment, like we're a different company from that moment forward. So awesome. those are big ones. And then we've got really little ones that happen like all the time. Like, you know, um, oh, Eddie, like an hour ago, <laughs> they're like, probably like Eddie likes this one thing. So therefore we must always have that one thing in the office at all times, you know, like uh, a new executive started and was given, I had said one little comment and they were given white glove service um, right. <laughs> where, where no other employee had ever been. And I'm like, if you really knew me, you know, I want everyone to have the yeah. exact same level of service yeah. which is my glove but right. it's, so the communication thing takes work but i think it goes from tiny behaviors all the way up to uh, to carl's point like these big audacious goals can you yeah. can you talk on sorry eugene uh, can you talk on like just this unpopular goals like that like what you like how do you how do you deal with that and i, uh, I definitely don't want I, I don't want to say that um i that like yeah, the, the unpopular unpopularity of a goal necessarily makes me like more satisfied with the goal because that would probably <laughs> my team will listen to this and they'll be really disappointed in that. But there is something to like if all of your goals kind of fit people's expectations, like you're probably not doing your job setting goals. And um, I think about two years ago, our digital therapeutic like cadence of our software design lifecycle, we were probably making a, a release net every six months or so. Like these are like gargantuan efforts extensive engineering change order process that was a lot of overhead. So maybe a couple months of development and a full month or more, two months of this like overhead on releasing um, and change control. And we, so I set a goal that we do one release in the year in a month. And that was like soup to nuts. So it's like, what's in the release, prepare the release, ship the release. It was very unpopular. Um, it was, I think a little bit on the exec team, it wasn't necessarily understood or why that mattered, like why is this a good goal on par with other goals that we might have had at that time. And then within the studio, it was like, what are you doing to us? You know, these things take six months. Why would we, why would we do this? And I'm like, well, make the release simpler and you'll get that muscle memory. You'll, you'll, we'll make it better um, by this goal. And, and it, it, we eventually did it. I think we did it, it was like the last release of that year. It was, we, we squeaked it out, um, but then, the time since we've basically been releasing or we have, we clearly have an ability to release on a monthly basis and we right. have minor releases or major. And so it's not always a major release, but we we've had on average something like a, a monthly release ever since that without complaint. Yeah. And I think the importance, the importance of it from my perspective, because Carl and I agree different teams and, and leadership do goals in different ways. We're in violent agreement always that goals should be like should feel somewhat uncomfortable because they push yourself, especially if you're like, unless you're in a, you know, certain defined Kager year over year business, like, okay, that might be different. But when you're trying to create something, you've got to push yourself and mm. from yourself personally, all the way to your teams. Um, and so we need to have goals that are, you know, as, as bold as what we're trying to do at a macro level. Um, but I think the other thing we also agree and talk a lot about is um, the goals serve two purposes. They get certain outcomes, but they also uh, inspire certain behaviors, or as I'll, I'll call it a lot, like they build certain muscles, right? And so I'm a big fan of thinking about goals from both lens, thinking lenses, thinking about what's the outcome we're trying to get for the business, but also like, will Carl and I will often talk about either one-on-one -on -one or with other execs, like, all right, but what's like, what's the muscle this could build for the business and teams that mm. we think is important for the future? And like, un <laughs> unpopular goals is not the goal, but it's often the byproduct of pushing in a way that's uncomfortable and that's developing a new muscle. If you think about it, like your, your personal trainer is unpopular when they're forcing you to like run hard. But if you're pushing to a hard goal, you kind of have to push through that discomfort and build that muscle. Um, and I, I think it's a similar concept. And so what are those muscles that you think an organization like yourself need to build right like i you know i may want to work on the bicep but is that the right one <laughs> right you know what i mean yeah i'm, I'm trying i'm trying 
I'm getting this. See what, what happened there? This was like a sore spot. I just tore a bicep yeah. tendon. Thanks, See, UJ. and that can happen to a company, right? You can, <laughs> yes. like, you you know, you flex that muscle too much, and it you know it can crack. So it's. Yeah. What do you think, Carl? <laughs> so for me, the like the most pervasive one here at Achilles has been experimentation, just as this broad category. Um, in part, I think because I came here looking at the clinical work and being like, oh, we must be amazing at this, and it turned out. It wasn't amazing everywhere yet. It was, we were very capable in one area and, and less so. And I think in part because we're a scrappy startup and people want to get things done and they think that they know the right thing to do. Um, and so, or they think they only have the capacity, the resources to do one thing. But um, there's a humility that you need to approach the work in, especially in software development, where you're not entirely sure of what the customer needs or wants, even if they tell you, or especially if they tell you what they want, <laughs> they're often wrong. Um, and you have to figure it out in the best way, like the industry has figured out, like, again, I come from consumer and enterprise, often enterprise to consumer. And there's a tried and true way of just, you know, understanding what you really want to accomplish and trying a few things. And that could be lean and offline on paper. It could be um, in product. It could be offline, but digital. There's just lots of different ways to do this. And so just convincing people that it was the, that's the right way to do is the better path. That's been a, a very kind of persistent effort across, across our time together. And we've, we've, we've talked about a lot. Eddie made it a company goal at one point um, in support of that behavior. Mm. Yeah, I recently I, I had um, I'm a big fan of the lean startup model. And it, to be clear, and I think Carl was alluding to this, it's not like any one function or group or whatever was like right and some other function or group was wrong. It's like it's a company wide muscle and you're either doing it or you're not. Right. Uh, I'm a big fan of like one big team kind of has to function together like a muscle system. <laughs> and uh, and and yeah, Carl's right. I mean, we we. I will say, um, as companies grow, one of my fears is always that they lose some of those early kind of adaptive, you know, may, maybe call them fast twitch muscle fibers. Mm. And, um, and so even reintroducing recently an ask across teams to think, you know, to read the lean startup manifesto right. to, to really go back and think, even as you get bigger and we now, you know, have risk parameters we didn't have before, like we have a prescribed product on the market. Um, I actually think that's the time where you want to reinforce this muscle development because we're still creating a model. So, mm. uh, yeah. Can you talk on, sorry, Eugene, uh, can you talk on? Um... You didn't bring okay. yours to the office. Sorry. This is Lady Gaga. <laughs> that's awesome. Ah. <laughs> uh, Marina said the only way that I can have Eddie on um, <laughs> is if we both bring Frenchies. Otherwise, Jim would need to overrule the appearance. So, <laughs> sorry. He's got too much leg. I understand. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yes, my French bulldog. Beautiful could dog. Under, Beautiful. Could fit under Carl's dog, yeah. like walking. Easily. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Go ahead, Jim. Sorry yeah. to interrupt. No, just just building on that. Just talk about like you know maybe time horizons. Like you know, so I you know one of the things I struggle with in Health Beacon is getting people to think on you know sometimes longer time horizons. You know, it's like how do I, like I feel like I always want people to act launch everything next week and then but have the long vision in mind right and and i don't love to hear your perspective on how you manage that yeah so i think that this is an area of a lot of discussion over the last few years at achille um i think it's it almost can feel counterintuitive i think you want to always have the long time horizon vision present but make sure your plans aren't um, developed on the same time horizon. Because <laughs> I think that's what, that's what can often happen, right? Is especially as companies get larger, especially as you're going into regulated industries. Um, and, and it's not wrong per se. Well, I kind of think it's wrong, but it's things, some businesses work in that way where you have these large, huge, meaty plans that take literally like months or years to develop and then months or years to execute. Um, but it's really hard in those types of models to actually learn, adapt, create, and pivot as needed. And, um, but to your point, I think if you're only focused on like the next thing, um, you will do things differently if you don't have the guiding light of like the North Star, the long-term vision. So if you think about like every little decision you make, um, you know, there's, I don't know, we could take like a Einsteinian physics, like there are probably like 
you know, millions of parallel universes. If you got a guiding light and you make sure to define that midterm or long-term vision, then, but you allow adaptivity within the plans, you'll, you'll be adapting, but you'll still be doing it on a course that goes toward your final outcome. I think you're right, Jim, sometimes, um, especially startups, I see this a lot early, early stage startups will almost be constantly pivoting that long-term vision, which means they're, they're kind of swinging side to side. That's not always bad, but I think when you have your vision, it's really important to keep that present. And, and I was going to say, I'm sure you didn't have a 10 year plan to spec out. That's not what it's about, right? Like right. It, it's, it's sticking with your original mission, original statement, original thinking and pursuing that goal. Right. And so that's not a plan. That's a, a addiction in a way to build something that you believe in. Right. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's, an, outcome. Exactly right. it's an outcome or an impact you want to have. Right. Yeah, like one of the things we try to do is make sure that vision is there and and the vision can change and should change, but it should be if the more stable it can be, the better you equip the teams below or around, um, you, then your goals also shouldn't be plans. Like your goals should speak to value that you're trying to achieve a proof point of something, um, not just like prepare for launch or launch or, you know, plans have to change at the stage we're at. And, and I think that's one of the harder things to do with goals at, at this stage is to kind of see what's, what is this plan? They often start as plans and you kind of have to back up a little bit and say, okay, it, it, the one way you can tell it's a plan is there's only one way to do it. And you're like, okay, wait, that's not a goal. There's only one way, back up. I don't think that what ever exists. <laughs> yeah, why am I doing this? And you can kind of find your goal that way a lot of times, I think. Um, yeah, and Carl, then, Carl indoctrinated me into this and I'll, which is like, you know, make sure goals are not equal to plans and make sure there's many different plans that can accomplish a goal when you learn. Um, that is, it sounds really easy when you say it, but when you get into like writing goals and aligning teams around goals, it is way harder than you think to, because most people, and I, I don't know if it's the way we're, our brains think, or if it's probably more like societally and work culture, how we've been taught to define goals tends to be to execute a plan. That's your goal. And I think um, we really want to level it up to the outcome. And that's something that, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, a current muscle we're building at Achilles, frankly. Yeah, what? Eugene, you talked about like the recruiting process that we're all constantly doing. Like if you do this right, then those people that we're hiring actually have much more interesting work to do rather than just like, find, like they are actually solving the problem rather than just executing. And that's essential. You know, my, my view on recruiting, by the way, it's, you know, uh, there's a statement, always be closing, always be selling. To me, it's always be building relationships, right? Because it's not like, you know, you go an ounce of, you know, raising a fund and okay, great, right? Or now you build these relationships over time. And the same goes for the talent. You want to convince people, you want to build that relation, you want the trust that you can have, right? Now, how does that scale? And the hope and goal is that at the leadership level, you know, everything is just united and, and it is the same mission, vision, execution, you know, lack planning, surrounding the planning and all of this, right? I can keep yeah. going. Sorry, I get passionate about well, this. I think, <laughs> I, no, no, I like that. But to tie it to Carl's point, I think I'm a big fan of like, let's always be hiring people that are going to bring better ways to operate and lead to better outcomes. And, you know, not, not just like, we're not, we're not hiring cogs in a wheel, right? We're who, who are just going to fit in and make the plan run. Um, most of the time you're looking, I, I would hope in a growth business, you're looking for people that will actually have the next best idea and it necessarily, and the same, you know, people always, always say this um, truism of like, oh, I want to put everyone around me that's smarter than me. But I think when you really try to do that, then you're actually committed to, you know, the plans that come out, the big ideas that come out are different and hopefully better than you could come up with yourself. Awesome. So, you know, you seem to be agreeing on everything as we've been talking, but I'm sure it's not that easy. So maybe you can talk about a thing that you guys disagree on still or disagreed for the longest time and then one cracked the other one way or the other or you came somewhere to the middle. I don't know. And I'm going to oh, let man. my French in because it's starting to whine while I'm hearing you. Eddie, what have you got? Oh, man, Carl, I was trying to think about um the the level of like this is a silly well i don't know if that's a silly one sometimes like the level of 
of process or uh, not process. That's not right. Like the level of analysis, we do that very differently. You and I. Yeah. So you, I think you there's, kinda... a, there's a couple examples where we like approach things very differently. Um, but that's, yeah, um, the, well, even like the, like, I don't want to spend all the time on goals, but like goals, like that's like a very natural place for me. And it's, it was a, like a less natural place um, for you to focus on at one point. And we've kind of like, I think what you're seeing in this agreement is that we've been working together for four and a half years and we've like found ways to um, complement one another. Um, but we, we do come, we do come from different places. Um, but I, yeah, I don't, man, just well, actually, you know, all of the things we've talked about the last 20 minutes, I actually think there were a lot of disagreements along the way, frankly, yeah. like, cause we come, when you come from different areas, you first start to anchor into your area. Um, yeah. What I was talking about with level of analysis is Carl is like, a, um, we, we have a joke here with like the, everything is like an omatic. Because Carl will build like a, a scenario and big like you know automated spreadsheet to handle any planning we want to do. And at times I'm like, Carl, can we just get to like where we're trying to? But then Carl's point is, no, this is actually going to get us there faster. It just seems like it's not. And so I think we tend to tussle on that one a lot. Um, yeah, I like to create tools with silly names, but hopefully doing th- and they are they they get they can get complicated. I mean, that's like the the problem with engineers sometimes. I think over engineering. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a condition they're working on the silly name tool uh, tension. Oh, is there know, a yeah, tool yeah, for yeah. it? I <laughs> know can we put it into pizza? That'd be perfect. You should publish that as well. <laughs> um so shall we go i mean i think we can be doing this like tim ferris style probably two three hours straight um but i think we all got you know b- startups to build and 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 people to help um so shall we go to jim's last famous question as always we're gonna try this yeah, go with it, Jim. oh here we go so so you're you know obviously you guys go on to incredible, incredible success. And you get a call one day from your good old buddy, Eugene out of Barcelona. And he says, I want you to meet um, a a 25 year old scientist, you know, turn healthcare entrepreneur and this phenomenal technologist. And they're starting off this amazing company, but it's, it's next game video games. You know, it's like, it's next, it's, it's meta virtual augmented, whatever. We can't even imagine it yet. You can't even imagine it yet. It's kind of, and, and you're looking at these two young entrepreneurs and you both have a chance to give them just a little bit of wisdom. What's that wisdom would you give that you give them? Oof. Great one. Um, Sorry, I should have been prepared knowing that you always ask this, Jim. Um, <laughs> Be prepared. Obviously Be prepared. And unprepared. <laughs> unprepared and unprepared. So I, um, I keep a little list, honestly, of like, man, the things I wish I knew. And, um, and actually, interestingly enough, and maybe my brain is just primed by this discussion, um, but interestingly enough, from, I think, being really attentive to, uh, to two things, the, um, the like to to really clearly define where you want to go and the outcome you want. So we talked about the the goal at the far end, um, and that's something I do, I do get asked a lot. Like small startups, people trying to get a company off the ground that just have a concept come to me, and they they often haven't defined for themselves what they really are hoping to affect in the world. Like what's the end state you want to see? They tend to have an interesting idea, or they tend to have lots of ideas. But I think. You know, having a having a north star, like again, I'll say it this way: the 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 change you want to affect in the world, the big outcome, how you want the world to be different, and then in some ways inking that to guide you. Um, I think a lot of people think they have it defined, but then you ask them to put it into a sentence or two, and they don't. And like for Achilles, that that's something I will say we did pretty well, right? We said let's have the first, you know, the first FDA approved prescription video game in the world that actually treats someone. And, and we, we did that well, we defined it, we kept to it. And I think it paid tons of dividends. Something I wish I did uh, that, that I learned over time really relates to like a lot more focus on um, the behaviors that are gonna be critical to actually wade through all of the uncertainty and the changes and the growth. Mm-hmm. And until you, gr- and I had never grown a business all the way to like where we are now, 50 and then hundred people and more. Um, and I think a lot of what Carl and I talked about today, it, it may have been more second nature. I think it was more second nature for Carl 
um, a lot of this kind of the focus on what behaviors you want for me were a bit reactive, right? Once I saw things going away that I didn't like, or that I didn't think was serving us, I'm like, oh man, it felt like we had to unravel and, and go back to things like experimentation. Um, and I think Carl brought a lot of that at kind of the forefront. So, you know, where I to go again, I, I have a buddy starting a company right now is just on the phone with him the other day. And um, I was like double and triple complimenting him on something related to, he was talking about, here's how I want us to be able to iterate over time. But he was talking about the how, and I actually told him three times, I was like, remember that thing you said five minutes ago, write that down, keep thinking about that. Cause I was thinking about the big goal and then purely reactive to the ingredients you need and behaviors to get there. Um, and I, and that's something I, I won't do again. I'll be much more proactive. Awesome. Carl? Yeah, so for Carl? Me, I think I would reuse some of the best advice if I'm talking to future young Carl or someone like me who's coming into this industry, um, bringing some experience from another area, but it, like the medical device side is new. Um, Scott Kellogg, um, who is our head of regulatory when I joined, he, he told me two things, one of which was really valuable when I first joined it, which was that the, the standards were written for me, um, not for his team. And I think uh, I've used that advice with other peers in this space already. And it's, um, it keeps you from doing the, the pattern where you hire like the quality regulatory folk to tell you what to do. It's like, no, the people building the thing really need to understand that context of what they're doing um, and how to make that, what the FDA is signaling, what other agencies are signaling and, and which is generally I think progressive and like how to, how to work there effectively. Um, and progressively, and it's made a huge difference for me here. Um, and I've, I've been able to use it with some peers already. And I think, I think that's kind of one of the keys, yeah. Well, listen, gents, you know, I know you guys have been tossing around, you know, doing your own show of, you know, Eddie and Carl. And I know, consider this as an experiment, I think a successful experiment. Um, but I would also say, I think, you know, Jim and I were talking about and talking about it every time we meet, you know, doing this, we, just like we talk at the bar, the shot of, and, you know, it did take the pandemic to kind of force us because you can never make time or you can never find time. You have to make it, right? And so I urge you to, I'm going to put you on the spot, to pick a date and set a time, whether it's weekly, monthly, I don't know, twice a year, doesn't freaking matter, and just and make it happen. That's it. Yeah. Challenge love accepted. Yeah, All right. Love awesome. Love it. Love it. We're going to do a, a spinoff here. Your naturals. Your naturals. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't usually come on and people tell me what to do, but this was great. This is like refreshing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> what are they what is the uh the i was thinking the expression the i was gonna say something terrible at the end the, the margaret <laughs> the margaret thatcher expression i was thinking of you guys which is whether you assume something is incompetence or conspiracy that's what the thought that keeps driving in my head like <laughs> this case is all conspiracy for eugene <laughs> all right gentlemen well, it was an honor and a pleasure thank you very much and thank you for having us and have a great for the millions Wednesday. of viewers, listeners, you know, hit subscribe, pass it on, and uh, hopefully you enjoyed.